from the thirteenth chapter of john before the passover festival began jesus was keenly aware that his hour had come to depart from this world and to return to the father from beginning to end jesus's days were marked by his love for his people before jesus and his disciples gathered for dinner the adversary filled judas iscariot's heart with plans of deceit and betrayal jesus knowing that he had come from God and was going away to God, stood up from dinner and removed his outer garments. Then he wrapped himself in a towel, poured water in a basin, and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his towel. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Peter, you don't realize what I am doing, but you will understand later. You will not wash my feet now or ever if i don't wash you you will have nothing to do with me then wash me but don't stop with my feet cleanse my hands and my head as well listen anyone who has bathed is clean all over except for the feet but i tell you this not all of you are clean he knew the one with plans of betraying him which is why he said not all of you are clean after washing their feet and picking up his garments, he reclined at the table again. Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and truly that is who I am. So if your Lord and teacher washes your feet, then you should wash one another's feet. I am your example. Keep doing what I do. Siblings in Christ, I welcome you to a special worship celebration of Love Feast, presented by the Nunker Punks podcast. My name is Emmett Wachowski-Eldred, and I'm one of the regular podcast hosts. Today's bonus podcast episode came about because there is a hole in our lives right now, a painful one that simply can't be filled. For many of us, worship is a sacred space, not only for drawing closer to God, but to one another as well. We are nourished, body, mind, and spirit, by the experience of greeting and embracing one another, of filling a room with the sound of our singing and the warmth of our breathing. Of course, that is impossible right now. And because this happens to be spring, that means the particularly painful loss of Love Feast, which, for many of us in the Church of the Brethren, is the most meaningful service in the whole worship calendar. Calling it Love Feast always seemed meaningful in and of itself. It is a feast indeed, a rich celebration, marked not just by breaking bread together, but by being together in the fullness of Christian fellowship. It is a joy to celebrate God's gift of rejuvenate life, a joy best expressed by standing and sitting and kneeling in the presence of one another. It's also a service that is so dependent on the experience of physical touch, from the breaking of bread and communion to the sacred act of kneeling down to wash each other's feet. My feet, ticklish though they may be, ache for the familiar feeling of perfect, humble servanthood, modeled out for us as Christ first showed us at the Last Supper by girding himself and washing the feet of his disciples. In our new world, in which so much of our daily lives has been moved to virtual spaces, at least for now, we acknowledge readily and completely that for most people, no digital replacement of love feasts can satisfy. 
least of all right now, when our spirits long for the soothing balm of warm embraces and a community gathered together to share one space. So what follows isn't a replacement, but a reminder. This is a reminder of what Love Feast is and why it matters. It's a reminder also of the vibrant and resilient Church of the Brethren community that stretches out to one another in this moment to fill the vast space of our isolation with bonds of love and encouragement and solidarity. You'll hear the voices of about two dozen brethren from a dozen congregations spanning a variety of perspectives and lived experiences. You'll hear all the elements of a traditional love feast service, the scriptures and the songs, as well as the times of foot washing, sharing the fellowship meal, and finally breaking the bread and sharing the cup in communion. During those moments, you are welcome, if you would like, to pause and follow along as you see fit, with juice and a cracker at communion, for instance, or by washing not another's feet, but your own hands, because in this moment, even such a simple act has been transformed into a vital demonstration of service to those around us. And during those moments of our service, you'll also hear reflections about why those elements, foot washing, the fellowship meal, communion, why they make up the centerpiece of love feast, so that the next time that we are finally able to come together and do love feast properly, we'll remember a little bit more about why it is we do it in the first place. Thank you for joining our Dunker Punks podcast virtual love feast celebration. Thank you for making this worship experience what it is. May it be a time of nourishment and joy for all those who have gathered, separate though we may be, to serve and to be served by one another in the presence of our Creator and Redeemer.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we come before you now, just as we are, just where we are. We come from the safety of our homes, from our living rooms and our kitchen tables, and we know that you are present with us. Help us to feel your presence even now. Give us comfort in knowing that as we are praying, listening to these words in the isolation of our own homes, that we are joining with hearts, minds, and spirits with people throughout our entire faith community. It is so good to know, God, that even while we might be by ourselves, we are never alone. For you are with us always. Join us in our love feast, we pray. Amen. We read from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother, sister, or sibling has something against you. Leave your gift at the altar and go. First make things right with your brother, sister, or sibling, and then come back and offer your gift. For brethren, preparation for the love feast has always included a time of examination before beginning the threefold movement of feet washing, agape meal, and communion. In the 18th and 19th centuries, this meant that a deacon would show up at your house and ask you vital questions about your relationship with God and others in the community. Sins were confessed, disputes were resolved, attempts were made to heal broken relationship so that the love feast was a real expression of the love between the community members. 
And in some cases, if broken relationships could not be mended, the love feast would be delayed until there could be healing. In that same time period, it meant a whole day of worship before we entered into the love feast, a day spent in prayer, reading scripture, listening to sermons, and fellowshipping with others. We may have moved away from having the deacons visit us in our homes and having a full weekend dedicated to the love feast, but we still take the time before engaging in this threefold movement to think about places where we need to confess our own sins. Where do we need to take steps in relationship to bring about healing? As this passage from Matthew 5 urges us to heal our broken relationships before offering sacrifices, we are reminded of the need to constantly examine and re-examine ourselves as we think about the places of sin and brokenness in our lives. And so we set aside this time for reflection, for examination, for confession, for repentance, for healing in our own lives and the life of the church. We enter into this time of examination. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we pray that we are enough to stand in your presence even as we know our faults. Some faults we are well aware of because they get us into trouble. Our proneness to anger leading to violence our incessant pride leading to distrust, our consuming greed leading to injustice. Yet while some faults are plain, we reflect on those sins hidden from our eyes. Our part in the hurting of loved ones or colleagues, our contribution to the further degradation of the natural world, our peace in the ongoing disruption in the lives of minority groups in this country. Merciful God, bring to our hearts the wounds that we've created, that we might hold them for this moment of continued reflection as we listen together to the music, Voice Still and Small. Merciful God, suffering Christ, powerful spirit, we hear your calling in a still, small voice. Calm our fears, dry our tears, sing your song of hope into our sorrow and pain. Release from us these wounds and hold them in your care. 
heal them, and heal us, that we might find completeness in your good and perfect reign. In our confession, we are assured of pardon by the grace of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Prepared now to stand confidently before God, before each other, and join together in the love feast service, we move into the time of washing feet. Why do we wash feet? When asked, brethren can very simply say, because Jesus said so. In John 13, we see an example of how brethren have tended to read the scripture with a plain reading. Jesus commands us, wash one another's feet, and so we do. And so in following Jesus's example, we try to understand why we obey this command. Typically, there are two ways that we see this as an example. First, an example of service, and second, an example of love. Feet washing is a simple action. And when Brethren first emphasized this point, it was often done to contrast itself to the rituals and the sophistication of the state church in Germany. By simply washing feet, they were making a statement of being simple and in following Jesus's words. We see here an emphasis on simplicity, service, and humility. The Church of the Brethren have long, has long emphasized the priesthood of all believers. And in, in this theology, we are all equal. We all come together to serve Christ. Feet washing is one such example where we are all equal, regardless of church office, socioeconomic status. Together, we are washing one another's feet and together, we serve one another. Typically, we see that this is an example of service, but it's also an example of love. At the beginning of the passage, the author, John, tells us that Jesus loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. What Jesus does in taking the towel and the basin and washing his disciples' feet is born out of love. And too often, I think we forget this part of, the, of Jesus' example. It is about being a servant, but it's also about showing the love of God. And in showing this love, we all come together, regardless of who we are, where we're from. The symbol of the basin and towel is a symbol of inclusion for everyone to come, to be washed, to be clean, and to belong. In the Christian tradition, we see that many denominations emphasize particular aspects. Certainly, Catholics and mainline Protestants and many evangelical circles emphasize orthodoxy, right praise or right belief. The Church of the Brethren tends to emphasize orthopraxy, right action. And perhaps there's no greater place that we see this than in feet washing. 
Christ has called us to action, to the right action of being servants and of operating out of love, of demonstrating the love for this world that God has for all of us. May we wash one another's feet in the example of Christ. from the 15th chapter of John. I have loved you as the Father has loved me. Abide in my love. Follow my example in obeying the Father's commandments and receiving his love. If you obey my commandments, you will stay in my love. I want you to know the delight I experience, to find ultimate satisfaction, which is why I am telling you all of this. My commandment to you is this, love others as I have loved you. There is no greater way to love than to give your life for your friends. You celebrate our friendship if you obey this command. This is my command to you, love one another. you pray with me? We are thankful, Lord, for this virtual space, for this chance to experience this service together, to relationally join together. Even so, we still wish we were physically there together. We wish we were outside our homes. We wish for the health of those around us. We wish for so many things right now. Uh, So we pray, Lord, move in our midst. Move us towards peace. Move us towards acceptance. Move us toward naming our emotions naming our disappointments, naming our losses, naming even our grief and trauma, that in the naming we may find a way forward. And we know there is too much pain, too much illness, too much grief in the world to fully name all of the prayer requests we could make. So we entrust it all to you, God. 
Please, God, move in our midst. There is also so much to be thankful for. Too many helpers and heroes showing up for essential work, for grocery store employees to delivery drivers to healthcare workers and more, too many to name. And so we entrust them all to you. Please move in their midst, O Spirit of God. There is too much to name, too much to understand. And so we take comfort in the celebration of a night which, Lord, even your disciples did not understand when they were with you. And so, Lord, we cry out, do not wash just our feet, but wash our hearts, wash our souls, wash our lives, God, wash our world. And yet, Lord, we are reminded that we need only our feet washed. And so we come just as we are, Lord, we come to have our feet washed, to be a part of your body, to be a part of your blood. This second verse to our cherished Tim seems more real than ever. For though we are home physically, we struggle for peace in our souls. So many are struggling to find that spiritual place of calm and rest, that home. And so, Lord, we are the pilgrims on this journey. We are the travelers on this road which has been thrust upon us against our choosing. And so we travel We travel this road, and as we sing this song of our lives, Lord, may we walk this mile and bear this load together in community. And in so doing, may the noise of our souls quiet enough to finally hear again your still small voice calming our fears, drying our tears, turning the noise of our sorrow and pain into the graceful music, Lord, of your song and hope. And there is yet hope. There is yet peace. There is yet faith. So, Lord, move in our midst and wash our feet anew, that as we walk this mile and bear this load together, as we experience the washing of only our feet in this time, we may reach out to another and hold space for their need to be washed anew as well. We pray in the name of the one who set the example of humble service and love for us all to follow, who knelt before those they loved. We pray in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.
Oh God, we come together, gathered across the country, unbounded by time zones and geography. We are connected in and through you. We are ordinary people, strangers and friends, beautiful, broken and blessed. We are tending to new realities around and within. We are living into a different future unfolding in the here and now. Together, we are proclaiming our longings and our needs and our lives as holy. In this liminal space, we are reminded that bread and cup, ordinary leftovers, can become a meal that reaches back through the centuries, shared around a table that reaches around the world. O oh God, you teach us that when we do not know what comes next, we should feed each other, share the cup and break bread together, taste and see daily bread, manna in the desert, bread of life, turning crumbs into feasts, soul food. We give thanks, O oh God, for these elements. We give thanks for this ritual. We give thanks for the invitation and opportunity to remember. We give thanks for the connection. What our prayers begin, may our lives continue. I spoke with my 87-year-old mother last week, asking her if she could recall the simple meal, agape meal, from the love feasts of her childhood, she could. It was a memory that involved her and her beloved cousin, Helen Joyce, and her own mother who snuck love feast tastes to the two unbaptized girls in the back pew. We then laughed at my memory from the 1960s of her stopping me in the church parking lot when I was a girl on Monday, Thursday, reminding me that the meal was symbolic and about the taste and sharing. It wasn't supper. My own memories include the pious lowered eyes in the silence of eating, the scraping of spoons, the soft shush-like sound of hands and sleeves passing plates of bread, bowls of broth, platters of shredded beef. The women at the table would always take just a little, then encourage us girls at the table to eat a little more. But I knew my mom would be watching from somewhere in that line, and it was, after all, a symbolic meal. The smell of the beef, the firmness of bread that becomes compliant to the hot broth, symbolic. Symbolic of the Passover meal that Jesus ate with his followers, his disciples, his friends. Symbolic of the simplicity of need 
and being satisfied, symbolic of intimacy, of the person across the table or next to you whose feet you just washed or who just warmly held your own. Symbolic of nourishment, nourishment meant to be shared. It is a symbolic meal, this simple meal, agape meal. It is a moment when there is abundance, enough for all. And if this table runs out, the next one over will share. In my childhood church, this took place without words for the most part. The sharing took place with our bodies. I don't know what went on at the men's tables on the other side of the church gym. It was dark with candlelight. Perhaps they too shared a nourishing mystery in their own way. At the women's tables, eyes open with a dip of the head could indicate, have more, this is for you. The passing of the plate of bread torn or whole or of cheese or grapes needed no instruction. A light lift of the plate was invitation enough. And in the mystery that has passed among women for all the ages, the time to move the movement on, this time of transition was felt like a wave, like a breath, like a birthing. No word needed to be spoken. We paid attention in the silence to connections Symbolic, perhaps, of the preparation of a long night ahead. The simple meal, agape meal, is a time of love. No symbolism there, just outright love. Jesus' love, God's love, my love, your love. Found in the preparation, in the sharing, in the noises of eating and the tastes on the tongue in the eye contact, in the way that all the women were mothering all of the girls. And then, and then the meal is done. A hymn rises and the sacred end draws near. As the story comes to us from the 22nd chapter of Luke. They came to the day of unleavened bread, a holy day when a special lamb called the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus chose Peter and John and gave them instructions. Go and make all the necessary preparations for the Passover meal so we can eat together. Where do you want us to make preparations? When you enter the city, you'll encounter a man carrying a jar of water. 
Just follow him wherever he goes, and when he enters a house, tell the homeowner, the teacher has this question for you. Where is the guest room where I can share the Passover meal with my disciples? He'll show you a spacious second-story room that has all the necessary furniture. That's where you should prepare our meal. They did as he said, and found everything just as he said it would be. And they prepared the Passover meal. When the meal was prepared, Jesus sat at the table, joined by his emissaries. It has been my deep desire to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Know this, I will not eat another Passover meal until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. He took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. I assure you that I won't drink wine again until that day when I drink it in a new way in God's kingdom. After singing songs of praise, they went out to the Mount of Olives. As we move into this time of communion, let us pray together. Lord, who invites us to share in the cup and the bread, symbols of how we share with your body and your blood. We pause to recognize that your body was once broken and the blood once shed. And maybe we can be found in that brokenness today. May we also be found in the resurrection to come, in the beauty of the resurrection and new life you offer. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. During these challenging times, how can we remember to hope what practices could give us the spiritual grounding we need to live with courage and confidence and with the expectation of a better future? The sharing of communion is one such practice celebrated by Christians around the world, including members of the Church of the Brethren. When we share the bread and the cup, we're engaged in both an act of remembrance and a sign of hope. As an act of remembrance, Christian communion has deep roots in the Jewish celebration of Passover. The Gospel of Mark makes clear that Jesus shared the bread and cup with his disciples as part of a Passover meal. It is a time when Jews remember how God rescued them from slavery. The youngest child who can do so asks, how is this night different from every other night? An elder answers by telling the story of the Exodus in a way that includes every generation. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord our God took us out from there with a strong hand. According to the book of Exodus, 
God led the rescued slaves to Mount Sinai and made a covenant with them there. A covenant is a sacred agreement. God promised that the former slaves would be blessed as God's special chosen people, and they promised to obey all that God had commanded. Moses then sprinkled sacrificial blood on the people as a sign of the covenant that God had made with them. Jesus made another covenant with his followers as he celebrated Passover with them almost 2,000 years ago. Jesus knew that his body would soon be broken on the cross and that his blood would pour out like the blood of a sacrificial lamb. When he broke and blessed the Passover bread, he told his disciples, this is my body. And when he gave thanks for the Passover wine, he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. The Sinai covenant was with only one nation, but Jesus's new covenant is for many meaning everyone who accepts it in faith. In this new covenant, God promises us abundant life with Jesus. In human terms, Jesus' death was a horrific murder, but God used it for the greatest good imaginable. Through God's grace, Jesus' death became a ransom that frees us from everything that enslaves us, sinful habits, addictions, crippling anxieties, the fear of death, and every kind of evil. We are freed so that we can serve God joyfully, living out God's love and grace both to others and for ourselves. This new covenant does not mean that we will never suffer. All of us suffer at one time or another, but we do so with hope because we know from Jesus' example that suffering in faith leads to life in God's reign. Jesus told his disciples, Truly, I will never again drink from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the reign of God. In the Gospel of Mark, God's end-time reign means that the forces of evil have been overcome. The blind see again, the sick regain health, and all creation is at peace. Jesus compared God's reign to a banquet, which is exactly the sort of future our love feasts anticipate. So now, as we break the bread and drink the cup, we remember Jesus and all that he has done for us. We are intimately connected with him and with one another. He lives in us and among us. We are joined together as his body. His life courses through our veins. And we are filled with hope, knowing that one day we will share a great Passover with Jesus, free at last, with the warm embrace of those around us in a banquet of love that has no end.
from the sixth chapter of John. And Jesus replied, yes, but what matters is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my father is giving you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, which comes down from heaven, gives life to the world. This made them say to him, Lord, please give us this bread always. Then Jesus said to them, I myself am the bread of life. Everyone who comes to me will never be hungry, and every person who believes in me will never again be thirsty. I'd like to invite you into a time of silent reflection, which I will close by reading, And the Table Will Be Wide by Jan Richardson. And the table will be wide, and the welcome will be wide, and the arms will open wide to gather us in, and our hearts will open wide to receive, and we will come as children who trust there is enough, and we will come unhindered and free, and our aching will be met with bread, and our sorrow will be met with wine, and we will open our hands to the feast without shame. And we will turn toward each other without fear, and we will give up our appetite for despair, and we will taste and know of delight. And we will become bread for a hungering world, and we will become drink for those who thirst, and the blessed will become the blessing, and everywhere will be the feast.
flame. Raise up thy banners high in this hour. Stir us to build new worlds in thy name. Spirit of God, oh, send us thy Spirit of God has definitely moved in our midst this evening. My prayer is that your heart was blessed as we gathered together, embraced the symbols of love feast in new and creative ways. We learned about how sharing a simple meal together, taking communion together, and washing feet together not only have meaning for our lives, but the lives of those with whom we share these sacred symbols. As we are sheltered in our homes physically apart, we remember that we are not distant socially. We were able to come together in new and innovative ways, and through this time, as we move forward, we are empowered to bless others in ways we now realize are possible. Thank you once more for joining the Dunker Punk Podcast Virtual Celebration of Love Feast. A special thank you to all those who contributed their voices to make our service such a special and sacred place. And thank you, the listener, for taking the time to tune in and add your prayerful presence as well. We hope that this experience was as riching to listen to as it was for us to make, and that you found this a meaningful way to connect a bit more deeply to the tradition that we so sorely wish to enjoy during this difficult time. May you leave this space reminded of why Love Feast matters and inspired to embody Christ's example of humble servanthood today and all days, fortified by the church community that waits to fellowship with you, share communion with you, and wash your feet. If you enjoyed this bonus podcast episode, and I truly hope that you did, I encourage you to listen back to some of our previous episodes as well. Just as this episode did, we are always searching for innovative ways to transform worship, foster togetherness across our distance, and tell inspiring stories of God's Spirit at work among us, especially as it pertains to our little church with big dreams about peace, justice, and God's transformative love. We are nearly at our 100th Dunker Punks podcast episode, which means that there is plenty of content to keep your spirits lifted and help you feel connected to the church while we have to stay physically separate for now. You can go to virtuallovefeast.com to get started or dunkerpunks.com slash podcast or arlingtoncob.org slash DPP work as well. You can find us on social media at dunkerpunkspod and you can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Today's episode featured the voices of Elizabeth Olary Swenson, pastor for Wildwood Gathering, Angela Finette, pastor at Noakesville Church of the Brethren, Lucas Finette, music minister at Paxton Church of the Brethren, Eric Finette, member of the National Youth Cabinet, Marie Benner Rhodes, youth and young adult peace formation director at On Earth Peace, Stephen Schweitzer academic dean and professor at Bethany Theological Seminary. Jonathan Shively. Hi, 
This is Shiloh Willoughby and Vianna Willoughby from Common Spirit Church of the Brethren. Denise Kettering Lane, Bethany Theological Seminary. Amy Gall Ritchie, Associate Pastor at the Beacon Heights Church of the Brethren in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Bill Schur, Executive Director for On Earth Peace. Matt Riddle, Pastor of Arlington Church of the Brethren. This is Jacob Krauss, the Music Coordinator at Washington City Church of the Brethren. And we're also joined today by Leah Heilman, Mandy North, Tim and Audrey Hollenberg Duffy, and Dan Ulrich. A special shout out to Pastor Matt Riddle, who conceived of and organized today's bonus episode, Suzanne Lay, the force of nature who's behind every episode of this show, and Jacob Krauss, who edits the show and composed our theme music. And thank you to Dean Fiesenheiser, who transcribes our show. Thanks as well to On Earth Peace and Arlington Church of the Brotherhood for their generous support. Thank you again for listening. Be safe and whole, and we'll see you next time.